I'm Alec. And I'm Zach. And And you're listening listening to A to Z Discussions. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we will be discussing Disney Plus's Andor. But before we get into that, Zach, how have you been? Not too bad. I will say I'm a little cold, as I'm sure you are as well. Uh, this is like Winter Storm 2.0, almost like a repeat of Snowvid, but not quite as bad. <laughs> Snowvid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I don't, Winter Storm something or other. Can't Did we call it that last time? Did we say Snowvid the podcast? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but that's that's what my dad calls it at least uh but yeah you know it, it's been cold here kaylin's had uh school off the last couple of days gonna have it off tomorrow as well i've been working mm-hmm. from home just because i don't want to drive on the roads and luckily uh my work is totally okay with me doing that so that's been fine uh I actually went to another wedding this last weekend and oh, wow. this time it was for our friend drew huddleston so yeah drew yeah, he's married, him and Madeline Huddleston, happy couple, fun wedding. Uh, me and Kaylin drove to North Dallas, and we stayed on Saturday night at a Hilton Hotel after the wedding. It was a nice little, you know, getaway for the weekend, and then drove back on Sunday. So, you know, that was fun. Uh, but other than that, you know, we came back on Sunday to go get some groceries, and the cold front was blowing in. We went into the HEB, and I think it was like 61 outside. We were only in there for like 30 minutes, and we came outside, and it was 54 degrees. Like, it had dropped 7 degrees in just that mm-hmm. amount of time. And then before we knew it on Monday, bam, you know, it was freezing cold here. So, you know, we've been getting through that, haven't lost power or anything, so it's not too bad. I know that there have been some power outages here in Austin, and luckily uh, that hasn't affected us. So everything's all well and good with that, but, you know, just kind of hanging in there. How about you? How have you been? Good. Um, pretty, pretty decent. Been a little bit under the weather, but not, not too bad. Um, I went to Houston this last weekend back home to see, uh, see Sam. Um, and that was a good weekend. Uh, took Friday off of work. Um, but I ended up getting like more sick, I guess. And I came back on Monday and I was like, man, I still feel really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was at work and then at the end of the school day, they're like, we're canceling school the next two days. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I know it's a little bit worse where you're at, but, um, we, we still have school tomorrow, but, uh, that's going to be, be fine. Um, be not as loaded of a day, but hopefully all my stuff is working. Like my house or my apartment's working, all the electricity's working. Um, a little bit worried about my car, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I just hope everything works so I can get to work and come back and everything's fine, but it's not really going to get warmer until next week. Yep. Um, but yeah, I wasn't even expecting this like central Texas winter storm. Like what? Yeah, I know this totally caught me off guard too. Uh, like I said, whenever that cold front was moving in, I didn't realize it was going to get this cold. (laughs) And maybe if we had known, we would have prepared a little bit more, I guess, for, you know, the worst case scenario. There were a lot of people at the HEB, so maybe that was the reason why, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been okay. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not the worst case scenario. I mean, like what a year ago, we talked to you about Snowvid or two years ago yeah. that, that back in like last February, January or two February's two February's ago. Um, that was pretty bad. Like that whole week, everyone's like power outages. And I was in Houston at the time too. And so like everything was like broken down and <laughs> everyone's freaking out. We lost power. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was, was like way worse. That was intense. I mean, even my office, they lost power there. So I couldn't even work remote through like remote desktop. Uh, I luckily had like enough food for the week and I didn't lose power then either, but you know, I couldn't go to the grocery store. The roads were completely frozen. We had like six inches of snow in Austin. So yeah, that was, that mm-hmm. was much worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been way, way better because I've just been sitting around kind of waiting. <laughs> yeah. I can't leave. I mean, I, if I, I could try to leave, but I don't want to drive my car and it's like actually just icy outside. And like, um, like there's like little ice particles everywhere and like, uh, frozen everything looks frozen like the little like water driplets on the trees are all like frozen off of it It looks pretty cool like i don't ever see that so i took a bunch of pictures outside but um i have it's all warm in my apartment everything is fine i bought groceries like that monday that they told us that there's gonna be no school so like i have food here i filled up a couple water jugs to make sure that i had water so this has been kind of relaxing it's like a nice little take a take a mental breather yeah yeah not too bad yeah um and so i was using this time to finish up andor (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah andor (laughs) (laughs) um let's just jump right into it okay this we're gonna spoil this for andor here but uh you know i don't i don't really know how i feel about it still after finishing it up the last uh last couple days and um it took me a long time to like even get the urge to want to continue watching it or even just start watching it um because you suggested it to me and normally when you suggest something to me i'm like okay i gotta i gotta hop on this and watch it now and see how it is but like there was like so much other things that i wanted to do and like watch and see and like uh some games i wanted to play more than i wanted to sit around and watch andor right Mm -hmm. because we talked about before where it's like He's a Star Wars character who's like kind of like he's a newer character, like in a from the Rogue One movie. And we already know the outcome of that movie um, and like where his story goes. So I haven't seen that movie. I'm not going to spoil any of that movie, but like we kind of know where where he where he ends up um, from the end of that movie. So like, you know, doing like a prequel story about this guy didn't seem all that interesting to me to begin with. Um, But after watching it, I did like it. And I thought, I think it was kind of cool how it kind of seemed like an extended universe, kind of like a video game or extended universe, uh, comic story. Um, that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like it was something that it wasn't really based on a character that we already know in the star Wars universe. And they kind of, it, it allowed for more realism. It allowed for more like grittiness It allowed for, um, them to tell a story that wasn't so black and white. Um, and that's why I really liked about it. Um, but even still, like, I still felt like I had a hard time, like sitting through it, if that makes any Mm. sense. Like I enjoyed it, but it was like, I still, like, I I wanted to care, but like, I didn't care. And I don't really know why I didn't, um, because I did enjoy it though. Like I, like the, we got to the prison break episode, like you were talking about and that toward the end was actually really good. Um, and like, uh, when, uh, any circus character was like, I can't swim, like, like holy crap like that that kind of broke me you know I'm like oh my god <laughs> like all that work and then like you can't even you can't even try to leave um mm-hmm. like stuff like that was really impactful and awesome um but like that first half like the heist was kind of kind of okay um the stuff in the middle more of like the political stuff was more interesting um you got to see like more of the empire and like all the kind of inner workings of it and then um toward the end where like uh Cassian goes back to see like his mom and or like 
didn't know his mom died and then went to go see their funeral and all that stuff at the end um where he finally like is committed to the rebellion and stuff like that was all really cool but all the stuff like in the big the front half i don't, I don't know how i feel about that yeah and I, I think honestly that's a pretty fair assessment of it and going back to like the motivation to watch this show i was in the same boat uh I think I started to try to watch it after we had finished Obi-Wan, like pretty recently after it actually came out on Disney+. And I watched maybe like the first episode in the second and half of the second episode or something. And I just put it away for probably two months after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had no motivation to continue it. I was already kind of, you know, let down by Obi-Wan and all of that. And it just seemed pretty mediocre at first. So it definitely took me some time to ease into it as well. And it took some prompting too. Uh, like Jake and Zach were both telling me after they finished it that I had to go watch it like that. It was actually different than the other Disney plus uh, star Wars stuff and it was worth finishing out. So I went in and I was like, okay, you know, I guess I just have to get through maybe a little bit more and it'll start getting good. And I feel like after the third episode, whenever they started the heist, that's when I truly started to get a little bit invested. The characters got more interesting. Uh, you could see Cassian start like developing as a person too. Mm-hmm. Cause whenever we first meet him, you know, he's just kind of, making it on his own, doing whatever. He ends up killing two Imperial officers, and then that's kind of what sets the plot into motion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to escape. He has to find a way to get off planet. But in the meantime of all of that, he encounters this guy who's like a focal point for the budding rebellion, which I thought was cool that, uh, you know, we're, we're so far back in the, the days of the Empire right here. I guess maybe, I think it was 10 years after the start of the Empire or something when this show starts, and the rebellion hasn't really started yet. Uh, what we're seeing are like the little sparks of it starting to ignite. Like the organization is happening, you know, they're finding members, they're trying to like plan stuff. And a lot of it's pretty messy at this point. And they're trying Mm -hmm. to set some groundwork to make it like a bigger thing. So Cassian turns out is like part of this growing network of uh, the rebellion. And you kind of go on that journey with him. And he is almost like the audience uh, because, you know, he at first doesn't truly believe in what's happening. He kind of wants to do things on his own. He doesn't believe in the cause and it wins him over gradually over the the time that we spend with him in the show. And the show is interesting because it's kind of episodic in format. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have like the first arc where, you know, he kills the guys and he has to escape the planet. The second arc where he goes on the heist and then they finish that out. And then right after the heist happens, you know, he gets taken by the Imperials, goes to prison. Then you have the prison break arc. Then the final arc is him coming back to his home world and uh, you see the start of something big happening there whenever people have just had enough, right? And everybody is joining the rebellion and fighting against the Empire. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you see the journey there. You see the journey through Cassian's eyes as he kind of, you know, I guess by the end of the show, he gets angry enough at the Empire and sees how it affects people so deeply uh, through his own experiences that he chooses to join the rebellion. And you can see that going forward to, I guess, season two and then eventually Rogue One where we meet him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going on that journey, I think was cool. I would agree that, you know, the first three episodes, not not my favorite. The heist I actually did enjoy uh, because we, it was kind of slow, like they slowed down and they really got you invested in the characters. You know, you had like the guy who had all those political ideologies. You had like the mysterious girl who was connected to uh, the guy from Coruscant, the leader of the rebellion at this point, I guess, you know, and you're, you wonder what's going on there. And then you wonder if Cassian's going to like do this and then, you know, just get out or, you know, take the money and run or whatever. You're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, so that kind of got me invested, but it was truly, you know, the prison arc where I started to really enjoy this show. Uh, mm-hmm. We can we can go into that later. 
But yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a little, little slow at first, but by the end I was fully committed. I was like, you know, binging the last few episodes and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but I talked about this a little bit earlier. Like I like how it's grounded in people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in Star Wars, you always get kind of like the spectacle, the magic, the force and like super Star Wars beings, right? Um, but you get like the realness of actual people. And something that uh, a reviewer I was watching talked about how there's a lot of times where you see people like eating and drinking, which like you don't ever really see like in Star Wars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's like all the time they're either like drinking coffee or they're like like eating food around something like everything just seems so like communal right in different aspects so like that groundedness of star wars it seemed uh like it fit this really well and because of all that groundedness like that like normalization of like the people it made the empire seem more of a, a threat right like you see the prison you see like how inhumane it is you see like they talk about a uh, uh the empire destroying uh like different uh groups of people and stuff and wiping them out or whatever and um it kind of uh reminded me of like uh in like right now i'm playing like resident evil and dead space right and i'm playing i usually play i usually start my first playthrough like assisted mode or like story mode where like you take less damage and the enemies are super easy to kill just so you can like play through the game right then once i kind of like know the format then i play like on a harder difficulty um and right now i'm doing my harder difficulty runs right and the enemies in the game when you're playing on assisted feel like like there's there's they're not intimidating at all. Like I look at them and I just like, you know, a couple, couple like hits and they'll, they'll, they'll die. But when I'm playing on like the harder difficulty, each encounter seems like it's a threat. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I relate that to when you're watching like the original trilogy of star Wars, um, the empire, like they're scary and they seem opposing like in the original trilogy, but because you're following like almost like superhero kind of characters, um, like you see a stormtrooper and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, our our cast of characters can um dispose of that quickly but when you're watching like andor it's like you're playing it on that harder difficulty you actually have they have to like try to get the upper hand they have to try to figure something out like they have to try to be smart about how they they want to to go about something or unless it's going to hinder them or they're going to lose people or they're gonna have to sacrifice a lot as opposed to like our heroes in the original trilogy yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. And I would agree, you know, the Empire in this show seems more oppressive than I've ever seen it before. And I think it is because of that vantage point we're getting from just normal people. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have force abilities. They don't have necessarily connections in high places or, you know, they're not in the right place at the right time. They're just trying to get by uh, in this world that's been created around them. And what happens to them is so affecting, you know. Whenever Cassian gets picked up by those guards, he's, he can't weasel out of it. He can't use the force to trick them. He can't, you know, run away and start blasting them. He just has to submit and go to prison and, you know, potentially be in prison for the rest of his life. It just shows you how easy it is for the Empire to control and disrupt the lives of the normal mm-hmm. people in this society. And I think that that's a great vantage point for, uh, you know, normalizing the Star Wars world and maybe even opening up, you know, pathways for different stories to be told uh, in the future that aren't just centered around the Force and the Jedi and the Sith and these magical, mystical, you know, figures right so i think that was really awesome that this show did that yeah um it kind of makes me wish it was like a character i cared more about because like mm-hmm. this was a really good show and especially you learned to like rip like rev up toward the end of it and if it was somebody like if it had like the obi-wan image or even like a 
Han Solo previous film, or like if you wanted to make it more grounded with somebody that doesn't have like force abilities, I don't know, like then maybe I would have been more invested, I guess. But that's not to say that like the story or like doing original characters or like characters that are like less known was a bad idea. Cause I think because of that, like it lends the, it, there's wiggle room to do literally whatever you want without it, without you like upsetting fans or something. Right. Yeah. Like how much Obi-Wan did, like some of it was really cool, but a lot of it really wasn't. And here there really isn't an expectation of like where you want it to go. And so like they can just kind of do whatever and it works yeah. in this it, environment. You know I feel I mean? like there was a lot of freedom for them to tell kind of their own narrative uh, in this show. And that was awesome. You know, the Star Wars universe is so huge, right? And I'm not just talking about the characters we know. I'm just talking about the general universe, right? There's so many planets and systems and the government is just so big and oppressive at this point, too. So, so many stories can be told. And I was glad that they went with kind of a more normalized story for this. And like I said, mm -hmm. I'm excited if they do continue to tell these stories like really good, normal stories in the future. Yeah. Um, is this supposed to be like a multi-season thing? So there's definitely going to be a season two. And I, I had heard that it might be the last season. Like that might just kind of close out the story after that. Yeah, I mean, there's only, there's only so sure. far you can go, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, unless there's like a prequel, which would be dumb. <laughs> a prequel to a prequel to a prequel. That's what that would be. <laughs> oh yeah, it would be. Huh? Wow. Um, uh, but I think what's cool about this though, is like, if you, if I could go back in time and never see star Wars and then having all this context, you know what I mean? Context to the, the original trilogy and mm -hmm. then what happens like, Watching all this in order, I think would be really fun. It could be, yeah. Even um, going back and like watching things chronologically. But I, I would have to not have seen and already have expectations. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like now, like I watched the original or like the the new trilogy or the or the old new trilogy, the one two three. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then like seeing Anakin and all that stuff happen, and then watching Obi Wan totally spoiled it for me. But like someone who hasn't seen it. I could see them liking Obi-Wan and then seeing how it connects with the original trilogy or episodes one, two, and three. Right. I could see how they could like it. And I, if I wasn't a star Wars fan now, it'd be kind of cool to go back and see it all in chronological order that way. Um, and then another thing is it's so weird how close all of this is like, we, like you, I think you said this was like 10 years after the third movie, right? I believe so. And that's true. It's only a decade of time, right? So, mm. uh, ten, dude, it's almost been like 10 years since we graduated high school. You know, like, <laughs> like that time isn't very long, honestly. And so it's really like mind blowing to see like all this stuff and, and knowing that it's only happened within like a few years from each of each other, right? Because even the stuff that was happening in like Mando was like, what, 20 years after... 20 or 30 years after uh, uh what happened in um uh one two and three right yeah something like that so it's kind of crazy how how close all this feels even though it feels super far apart yeah and it's also crazy it how the empire had progressed that far in just those 10 years but you know, after you spend some time uh, in this show's environment, you kind of realize how that happened. A lot of this show, too, is just kind of showing how some an organization like that can gradually kind of sink its claws into a society and then keep taking from you without you really even noticing, right? 
because uh, they even talk about too how like the empire came and at first they were happy that they had like new opportunities they were trading with them they would like help out like fix their ships give them fuel and all of that and little by little they would take away rights they would install more bases they would impose more laws and stuff like that until before they knew it like they they had no freedoms anymore and it's kind of cool how uh whenever you know marva dies and then they have that whole funeral for her and at the very end she has that speech that she gives and that's just kind of like the breaking point where people have kind of been you know silently angry uh until they see it affect them directly like they see a member of the community tell them you know this needs to happen uh or they see you know people are starting to get taken away and tortured that's what kind of is the breaking point for these people and it turns them on their head and actually has them fight and the same goes, like I said, for Cassian throughout this entire story. Uh, at first, he doesn't care, but gradually he he wants to join the rebellion and uh, take back power for himself. Mm-hmm. But as we know, you know, if uh, you remember in A New Hope, the Empire continues to take away things from this society, even onward from this show. Uh, at the beginning of The New Hope, whenever they're like having a meeting on the Death Star or on some Star Destroyer, uh, where what's his name Grand Moff Tarkin is there they talk about mm-hmm. how they're dissolving the senate like the oh the emperor has now fully dissolved the senate uh so it's kind of cool going into like Mon Mothma and Coruscant and that storyline in this show too seeing how uh you know she's trying to blend in even from her own husband and find a way politically you know to make connections uh give some money to the rebellion and also stay incognito while Palpatine is kind of behind the scenes and also, you know, in broad daylight at this point, taking away from the Senate and taking away from mm-hmm. the people's power. So I thought that was pretty cool that we saw that side of the show too. Yeah. I liked all the Coruscant stuff. It was kind of cool to see it kind of still be alive, mm-hmm. even though it kind of wasn't. Um, but it it is kind of... Uh, was, was Palpatine in any of those meetings? Probably not, huh? He wasn't. And I was thinking like if he did show up, just because of how normalized the setting was, it would be like a big deal. Like we saw him a lot in the, the prequels and then the original trilogy. But mm-hmm. seeing him in Andor would be like a huge deal. Like it would feel monumental because he is just such a big you know, figure in this world and we're just following such small ants by comparison. But yeah, he he was just mentioned. They mentioned like, oh, Emperor Palpatine is looking into this personally or he's taking priority on this mission. He's very mm-hmm. interested in it, blah, blah, blah. But we never actually saw him. <laughs> I mean, he probably has underlings to do all that for him. Of course, like, yeah. Speak his mind. But if he went in there and he was there talking in the little Senate room or whatever and delegating and he comes in and just says something, he's literally a dark Sith Lord. He can do whatever he wants. But mm-hmm. I feel like that that's too that's too magical for this show, right? Like it, there's no reason to put him in. Um, um, and Ian, old old Ian, I don't know if he has it in him right now. <laughs> Who knows? He was um, there for the sequel trilogy, so you never yeah, know. Yeah, he might make an appearance in season two, as uh, decanonized, dude. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in my mind, at least. He, <laughs> they did. They haven't made anything in that universe yet, storytelling wise. It's true. Uh, I'm wondering if Mando's still kind of building up towards that. If they're somehow going to like tie in to that, I don't know. Uh, but we'll you're see. right. Um, I really hope they just decanonize it. It's so bad. All that was so bad. Doesn't even make any sense. None of it makes any sense. No. Like because you, you watch something like this that has the Empire and like the building of the rebellion and like you see the strength of the Empire and like you want it to be torn down and then you watch the original trilogy. Then you have return of the Jedi. And then, you know, they finally take down the empire and you see your, the heroes like having a good time on Endor, like celebrating the end of the empire. 
you know, like a victory. And it was this long push from episode one and all of these little stories in between from uh, the Bad Batch and um, the Clone Wars and all this, all this stuff. And you get to that very end and it's over just for it to happen again from yes. with some other other dumb organization that you don't even know how they got into power still we still don't know any of that you, well, we don't know where the funding came from from to like make more e- like why is there the first order why is there a resistance why is why is why is there another one of that like it doesn't make any sense and it minimizes at all. all like you were talking about you know like the clone wars the bad batch even and or what we just saw in rogue one all the sacrifices they made in that movie it minimizes all of that because no matter what they throw it all away they throw their lives away they're uh you know sometimes they're throwing their morals away too they got to do everything in the, for the sake of the rebellion right so they can fight the empire and then after all of that somehow you know evil claws its way back and somehow palpatine returns like oh my god talk about yeah, yeah he returns dude he returns he's was he he starts and finishes it dude doesn't even make any sense uh but but like that was that was still going that was like going through my head when I was watching this. You know what I mean? And I think that was partly why I couldn't like fully enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Mm. Um because I was thinking about that. I'm like, ah. It's like, okay, yeah, they're trying really hard, and you're seeing like the prison break scene and all of the people are escaping, jumping into the water, and I'm like, this is all for naught, man. Like, yeah, even yeah. If, I even guess if you see it, it is, that way. It, but part, part of the reason I enjoyed this show, though, was because it almost kind of took me out of the Star Wars universe. Believe it or not, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed it. It just felt like kind of its own thing. At some points, I felt like I wasn't even watching Star Wars. Like, I forgot it was in the Star Wars universe. It felt like it was some political drama or like, you know, mm-hmm. some heist action thing or like a prison escape movie, you know, something like that. Uh the, the plots were just so original in this universe and so non-tied to all that other gobbledygook, right? <laughs> and so yeah, that made it all the much better for me. Mm. And that's true. Um, and uh, seeing some of the discourse online, I think w- how you felt about it was why people liked it and also mm-hmm. why a bunch of people didn't like it, right? Yeah, true. Um, it's like the the 50-50% uh, of, of what was going on. And... I, I try to see it in both lights while I was watching it, I guess. Um, Cause yeah, it's really grounded and it sort of does take you out of the star Wars universe, but like, you know, but it's star Wars. Like, I don't want to be that far removed, I guess. Like, I don't know. Maybe that, that's why I felt the way I did. Yeah. I uh, can, I can definitely it. see that angle. Uh, but I, I didn't dislike it though. Like I did like it. And you know, if people haven't seen it, I would totally still watch it. Like if you're listening and you're like, Oh, should I give Andor a chance? Like, yeah, you should watch it. Um, because it is kind of a shame that something like this that's actually pretty good and it's Star Wars is like what one of the like most under underperforming things on Disney Plus right now. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of that it's because of how disappointed people were with Obi-Wan and some of the other shows mm-hmm. Disney Plus has been putting out. And yeah, it's been overlooked. And it, probably too, like you mentioned earlier, you know, Andor is a very background character. Like I said, he is literally a character that's from a prequel, and this is a prequel from that prequel. Uh, so it seems like it doesn't really matter much. You're like, why would I even watch it? It doesn't tie into anything that I truly care about in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. But you don't watch it for that. That's 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 my take on it. You don't watch it for that. You watch it because on its own, standalone, it's a very good story. And it has very mm-hmm. emotionally poignant parts, right? Like, I just have to rave about the, the whole prison break arc. Because... You know, the characters, you, you you grow to care for them so much. You know, there's the old guy who's, you know, falling behind on the work and then he eventually has a stroke. 
Uh, there's Andy Serkis, who does a heck of a performance in his role, you know, that gradually Andor's, who had to, been, uh, had to have been won over himself to even, you know, start to rebel against the Empire. Now he's winning over Andy Serkis to get on his side and like, look, we got to break out of this place. You can't just bide your time and hope to be released. That's not how the Empire works. And then finally mm-hmm. they get told that there were uh, like a whole level's worth of workers that found out when a guy was supposed to get released, he actually just got transferred to another level of the prison. And that was like the breaking point for that guy. He's like, okay, I guess you're right. The empire's never going to change. It's time to fight. Uh, and then they have the whole prison breakout scene. And then like you kind of touched on a little bit, you know, at the very end, Andy Circus, who has been helping Andor lead this rebellion, who knows that this prison is surrounded by water, probably on an island just in the middle of nowhere, uh, we find out that he can't swim, which is so heartbreaking because you realize that he probably knew that the whole time. He knew that he was never going to get out of uh, this prison if he went this route, yet he still helped his comrades you know, escape, hopefully have a chance at you know, the prospect of his own certain death. So there were certain parts of this show that had such emotional poignancy that made me really like it. Mm-hmm. That had to been a way to save him, though. What's like? There's, there's. They said five thousand men on that that thing. Right? I don't know a lot. <laughs> Something like Thousands. that. You you couldn't have like. All right, all right, boys. Let's get six of us to kind of hold him along while we swim to shore or something, right? I mean, it would have been a lot of like energy, but there's a lot of them. True. They had, Maybe. I mean, they could have been. Yeah, it, I, they had it like. You could try. I mean, if if. If there was people who cared enough about him, right? And I think Cassian did, but, you know, he gets kind of pushed over the side and then never sees him again. So he never even really got a shot at helping him out. Yeah. Otherwise, I guess you you may believe that he might have tried. But I think, you know, you see like the, the scope of all the water they have to swim to get to shore. Uh, you know, that could have been like a couple miles. And that's that's hard to swim that long. So yeah. I don't know. I think he still would have died. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of sad that these people don't really understand or know that there's a magical being that is controlling and pulling all the strings and they honestly don't have any hope. Yeah, I mean, to be real, yes, they're they're not just fighting against people <laughs> like we see them fighting against stormtroopers and imperial officers that don't have, you know, powers from the force or uh, other abilities. But actually, that's who they're up against, you know, people that are larger than life. Yeah. And if Andor went up against the Emperor, it would not take anything. The Emperor would just literally blast a little bit of lightning and he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, and there's a the bounty hunter Darth Vader floating around everywhere too. Yeah, true, true. They don't even know what he's doing, like secret missions like that most normal people don't even know that are going on. But it, but again, I I, it, I think it's weird though too. This is like totally off topic in a different tangent. But you, we, they get to a point where they believe like the uh, the uh, the force is all a bunch of mumbo jumbo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the beginning of a new hope, they think yeah. it's all stories, right? I guess like I guess not. because people have lost hope that much that. To them, it just seems like, oh, this it's a fantasy. Like, I'm not going to believe in a fairy tale. Oh, the Force is going to come save me. Yeah, right. They, they hear about the old Republic and the Jedi. And at that point, maybe the Empire's propaganda has buried it too. But the ones that still know of it just think that it's literally a fairy tale. Yeah, within 15 years, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I don't think there can't be. Like, people lived through that. I don't know. I could believe it. I mean, the Empire was really good at brainwashing yeah. and taking away people's freedoms and taking away the history. 
Uh, and even the jobs that they put those people into. I mean, we, we get a taste of it in the prison. Some of the other Imperial jobs, like whenever Cyril has to go to that desk job after he gets fired initially, you know, those jobs are mind-numbing. After a while, you just get so beaten down. You, yeah. you lose such motivation that even if you do know, like, oh, I did see people use the Force back in the day, at some point you just don't care. Because it's like, uh, what difference is it going to make? The Jedi are gone, right? The, as far as they know, all Force users are gone. They don't know that Palpatine and Darth Vader are Sith Lords, right? So maybe if they, some people that were older and did see it firsthand, they just got so beaten down and it just kind mm -hmm. of drifts away from them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a, but there was a whole mass extinction of the Jedi and they were like a part of the Senate. Like if you were a kid, you were like 10 years old and you had a parent or an uncle or whatever that like worked there or whatever. And you, you saw the Jedi, like you saw them, right? And maybe you did see them do some cool magically stuff. And then 15 years later, they're all eradicated and you're like, what, 35 now or whatever. And like, you saw all that, like, and you're not even that, that, that old. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's why uh, the rebellion with such, you know, all those youthful people in the new hope have joined the rebellion because yeah. they still have the hope, you know, their heroes might've been the Jedi. Let's say that they were in their teens, right. And they saw the Jedi or the Jedi came and helped them out, saved their lives or did something good for their planet. Or they remember the stories of the war generals like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Kaiati Mundo and all of them. And they're like, wow, you know, Mundo. whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just a funny one to bring up. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> what, what does he say in the movie? The the something about oh, the sheep. Oh, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> Is it Kayati Mundi or Mundo? I can't remember. I think it's uh, I think it's Mundi. There you go. But uh, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> okay, carry on. I don't know. I can't even remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever it, but it I, I we're just led to believe we're not supposed to think about any of that when we watch this show don't think about any of that yeah maybe they'll tie right. in some of that stuff in the second season but I, I don't want them to though I don't want them to yeah I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to I wouldn't mind if there is like some like let's say they show the big senate floor you know where, where Palpatine Chancellor Palpatine used to hold his big senate meetings but at this point you know it's the empire I want to see Mon Mothma out there and I want to see Palpatine speaking at least once I wouldn't mind mm. that <laughs> they just like superimpose him in there from episode three talking about the first galactic empire <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love the Empire. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Order sixty six. Ah ah ah. Um, something I wanted to bring up was the uh, the way that some of the clothes clothes looked in this. And we kind of brought this up in Obi Wan. Remember that, like the trench coat, right? We're like, oh, yeah. this? Some of the clothes look like that too, but like we like it looked weirdly modern. But like stuff I've never seen in Star Wars before, which was like good and bad. Like uh, when Cyril was wearing like that little hat and like jacket, like he mm. looked like a normal guy. But like, when do you see that in Star Wars? I, like he looked too like, like hipster put together. You know what I mean? Like it mm. wasn't like it, that. That was weird for me. And then like the Imperial like standard dress, I guess they were like he like wore a tie once, but it was like a weird looking tie, but it was like a suit and tie. 
and it looks too like I wouldn't say uncanny valley, but like almost like that, where it's like <laughs> it was like it looked like a normal stuff that you would see nowadays, but but like it started that that kind of bugged me. I don't know if it bugged you, but like it was too too realistic, non realistic at the same time. I don't think it bugged me really at all. Uh, probably just because I liked, like I said, being out of the Star Wars mindset. So I think seeing that helped me kind of visualize this as separate from all the mystical mumbo jumbo. <laughs> so I was okay with it. So I'm kind of curious. I know there'd be a season two, but I, I'm more hoping that they they start doing more extended universe shows you want to talk about or even like another movie. Mm-hmm. that was as good as Rogue One and also as decent as this show is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, um, and it, I think it's fine. I think it's okay. And I honestly kind of prefer if they do it again where they just don't focus on the original cast. They don't focus on like a, another person that we might know and they keep those for like maybe animated shorts like that little like Jedi stories or whatever that was with Count Dooku and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with those being like reserved for those spots and then any more of the live action stuff kind of just telling more, more in-depth stories in the Star Wars universe. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would look forward to something like that as well. I know that the Ahsoka show is coming up and honestly, I'm not super excited for that. It seems like people are, I guess the big names still keep, the majority of people invested and still keep the hype up. But now that I've seen Andor, I I would say I'm more excited for more original shows uh, that are kind of just living in the universe. And that might branch out to something that we haven't even seen before with characters that we are just meeting for the first time. Uh, Because I feel like, you know, the central people, like we're talking about Darth Vader, Obi-Wan, Luke, all of them, we've seen a lot from them. I was excited at first to see more of Obi-Wan, but I think at this point, I don't really want to see any more of him in the future, uh, especially if they're going to treat it the way they did with the Obi-Wan show. Uh, people are, have been excited at the potential of like a Darth Vader show. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of content there with the comics uh, showing like specific missions that he did for Palpatine a couple times in, you know, the canon where he actually fought against Palpatine or challenged him a little bit. Uh, so going into that could be cool. He's like the one character that I would still maybe like to see something done with. But other than that, I, I am excited for Mando because General that is Grievous. kind of like its own original story, even though it ties mm-hmm. in with a lot of uh, some of the characters that we know. And I'm, I'm really curious because if, if they do decanonize the sequels, let's say that they don't do anything with the sequel trilogy at all. They can go any direction they want with the Mandalorian. Because that is uncharted territory. That's after the fall of the Empire. So mm-hmm. a lot could be done there. And if they do decide to like establish some different worlds or plot lines from that, spinoffs could be made from that too. And we could go future into the into the into the future of the Star Wars universe. Or yeah. maybe even delve into the past with like the old republic. I I don't know much about that because I never played the games. I know that a lot of people are big fans of uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game and kind of that universe. So I wouldn't mind seeing some older, older stuff too. I don't know. There's a lot of things they can do with Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think Andor was like a good show to see that that is possible. And yeah. the interest that it's gotten, I think that at first, you know, it was one of the, like the lowest, it got some of like the lowest ratings of any Star Wars content. And it still, I think, is one of the least viewed out of anything. 
but people are noticing it. People are realizing that it was pretty good. And I think that it's kind of piquing people's interest enough where Disney might do some stuff like it in the future. Yeah. Um, and just kind of going off what you said about a like the Mandalorian thing, where you decided to canonize the sequel, the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy. Like, I'm okay with it being gone. And then, um, like what you said, to kind of tell more stories what happened after that. Yeah. And start seeing like the, the the rebuilding, right? And then maybe even like conflict within the good, you know, like conflict within people, and then making those just like TV series that they put on put out on Disney Plus. And I think that could be beneficial in like the longevity of Disney Plus, right? And longevity of Star Wars. If you'd like start telling stories that were after the the fall of the Empire, that's completely original and uh, more grounded in like people on people and then maybe having some jedi arc or something i don't know yeah that'd be fantastic i mean think about star wars's number one competitor star trek i guess it doesn't really hold any candle to star wars anymore but star trek was such a long-running uh idea in general just because it told a lot of self-contained stories like it would jump around on the star trek timeline and it would do like these little things like oh we visit this planet we figure out this oh we meet these new people and then we start this whole arc with this you know group of aliens and all of that yeah uh so even something like that if star if star wars wanted to do that it could it could benefit them in the future i don't know there's a lot of possibilities yeah Yeah, just like a long star wars series um yeah that'd be good all right, Zach. Well, I think that is a great place to end it. What do you think? I would agree. All right. If you haven't seen Andor, go check it out. It's not too shabby. Zach really liked it. I kind of liked it. So there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I would recommend it. You know, <laughs> there, there are some it's hard to get into. I think we both agree on that. Uh, there are some hard parts to get past. But I think that after the third episode, you know, if, if you really like what's going on and you want to keep watching, you're going to get invested and you're going mm-hmm. to enjoy it. But it, I don't know. We'll see. You'll see. Yep. Well, I think with that, Zach, I will see you next time. Sounds good. See you. See you.